You're listening to Unjiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. This week, we caught up with Jamie Rind, the bar operations manager of Bamboo Bar and the beverage manager of the Mandarin Oriental Bangkok. He gave us a deep dive into how he started in the industry and his move to being the leading man in one of the world's most famous bars. With this podcast, we want to peel back the mask and discover just how the greats really became the greats. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, I'm Jamie Rind, and I'm the beverage manager of the Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Bangkok, and also the bar operations manager of the Bamboo Bar. Thank you very much for finding the time to chit chat with me. I hope you had a good time in Singapore. Oh, so far so good, surviving, <laughs> surviving. Yeah, we're right at the back of Fifty Best Asia, and first of all, congratulations for climbing one extra spot. Yeah, thank you very much. One spot a year, and I'm sure yeah. you. <laughs> slowly, slowly, I still get the bonus. Then, <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel? Was it a good achievement? Happy? Yeah, no, I think this year, obviously, last year was very good at being number nine. So the goal this year was just to be at least for me, anyway, number nine at least again. And then any improvement was was great. So to get that one spot, it might not seem a lot, but to to myself and the team was was amazing. Yeah. So first of all, you're definitely you don't sound like a person from Thailand. So <laughs> where are you from I'm originally? I'm from a small town called Ipswich, which a few people in the industry know and uh, like to make fun of. It's um it's a small sort of countryside town, not far from London. It's about one hour drive from London, but it's uh, in the countryside. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place to get away from the, the craziness of London or, or Bangkok now for me. So, uh, yeah, and then moved to, to London after that. And then now I find myself in Bangkok. I also come from a very small town. And like, to be honest, when you are uh, young, like in your 20s, you think, oh, my God, mm, I can't. Yeah, I can't, can't wait to get out. Yeah. yeah. But then the older you get, I guess, the more yeah. you actually enjoy it. Definitely. So tell us, uh, how did you get into hospitality? Um, to be honest, uh, when I was 17, I joined a restaurant in a, in a hotel purely because my friend worked there. You know, back in those days, you just want to have fun when you work, which is still the case now, but still, that was the main reason. And um, yeah, started off as a, a waiter in a restaurant. And then at 18, you know, as the, the normal story goes for bartenders, you get chucked behind the bar. And for me, it was behind the bar, especially when it wasn't busy. At 18, you, you're going to like clubs or whatever, going crazy and you're looking at menus and there's there's lots of things which you you see and you don't know what it is, but now you have the chance to sort of read the labels and, and try some as well. So uh, that was the interesting thing for me. And then um, I decided to go on a bar course, which is uh, which was good fun. It was it was great foundations and the mentor there, Vince, he was uh, he helped me a lot to get the fundamentals of bartending. And How was this a bar course? Like... London, it's called a London Bar School. It's it's been going quite a few years. I actually taught there for a bit. Started off more for a little bit of flair and and more uh, for high speed bars, you know, mm-hmm. places like B at One in London and stuff like that. But now I think he's uh, moving more to to the classic side of things. So yeah, it, to be honest, it's it's great foundations. But you know, everyone has their own way of doing it. So, and that's obviously his way. So great foundations and a great insight to, to cocktail making. But obviously when you, when you go to different bars, they have their own way as well. So, so. would you recommend it to junior bartenders? Yeah, of course, definitely is to get the basics, a little bit of history and more important that the classic cocktails um, is great because I think sometimes now in modern bartending, we, we seem to forget the classic cocktails. We go straight for the crazy, crazy stuff. Yes. We forget the classic. So 
no, it's it's a good sort of uh, foundation for bartending. Um, so definitely recommend it for young bartenders if they want to get that first step. Which one was your first proper bar job? Uh, artisan. <laughs> yeah, was that was your? Yeah, well, I mean, like I worked in this restaurant when I was seventeen till I was twenty, and yeah, funny story. I just I wanted to get out of it, which, like we said, you know, as the case is, living in small towns, you just want to get out. And I quit my job uh, without anything lined up, which was stupid. I don't recommend that <laughs> to anyone. Uh, so f- I think it was two two months I was looking for places and I, I nearly worked in a North London pub, you know. And What do you mean nearly? Well, they offered me the job verbally after the trial. And after two weeks, I thought, you know, they haven't got back to me. Shall I, shall I say something? Shall I ring them or anything? And something in my head told me, nah, don't worry. And... Um, yeah, what a story that would have been. <laughs> I could, could have been very, very different. Um, and then I got two job offers at the same time after two months. I got one from the Langham Hotel, Atizun, and one from Hicks Bar, the new one which was opening up in Belgravia. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just opened one month. And again, stupid 20-year-old me was like, oh, you know, who's paying more? So I actually went for Hicks. And then after, because they had only opened one month, they then turned around to me after one month and said, uh, oh, listen, I know you're supposed to be starting next week, but the bar has not been as busy as we thought. So unfortunately, we have to withdraw the offer. So I said, oh, so I had to, you know, take the offer from this this bar called Artisan, which was such a shame. <laughs> such a shame. <laughs> Who no, would have thought Yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I believe in fate. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Trust me, because uh, it could have been very different on two, two fronts. But yeah, so I started out the Artisan. So what year was this? This was 2012, yeah. Okay, so, so very early Artesian. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We were number three in the world that year. And yeah, like I said, I had, I had zero experience when you look at it. But did, uh, did you know what you were getting into? Like, did not, you do some no, research? Or? No, I mean, I was a little bit stupid, honestly. You know, like, I just remember looking at the website thinking, well, this is fancy, you know, this is incredible if I get a job here. Um, I didn't look in the background and then you just, you start to work there and you just realize... The stuff that goes on behind the doors is incredible. and But I embraced it. I, I you know, I still wanted to learn and it was a, a massive learning curve, especially the first year. And then we got to number one and then the pressure really starts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, incredible experience. So talk to us a little bit about uh, how the actual hmm. uh, artesian world. You, when you joined there, what was your position exactly? My position, the position they offered me was, you know, half... Half my time barback, half my time uh, waiter, but they actually liked me more on the floor. So I actually started full time on the floor, like just a waiter. Um, and yeah, I became, let's say, reliable on the floor. So I, I, I done quite well there. But, you know, Alex and the, the team, they, they realized I had a passion for bar and, you know, due to situations when people are ill or whatever, I step behind the bar and I always helped at the end, you know, with the stock and stuff, they realized I had some potential as well. So um i can count on one hand how many proper shifts i've done behind the bar um bartending anyway but you know i was behind i was bar back a fair bit uh for them so i just soaked up everything and then uh when it was time to go to bangkok you know i had a chance to sort of let it all out and show what i could do so being a part of this very high performing team right what was the pressure like because you got nominated number one and then you stayed number one for what was it four years in a row How did the team operate and was this something that you had as a goal or was it something that... Yeah, I mean, it was it was just to be the best. And I, I mean, I can really only speak for myself, but I think it was the same for everyone else. It was just a passion to to be the best was was so intense. So just 
it was kind of like you couldn't you couldn't be anything less you know you had to be the best um and that was everyone's goal and i think when you have a team of 15 20 people all wanting that same goal you know that was the the end result and obviously the the brains we had behind the bar as well with alex simone and roman and, and the guys was just incredible as well so it was just a perfect sort of mixture of people yeah just everyone pushing each other you know a lot of a lot of fights and whatever you know we're falling out but then we realize you know we're all trying to you know help each other and i wouldn't have a, any other way it was amazing what was your best memory of the artesian times <laughs> the after parties after 50 <laughs> best um yeah i had a different role after 50 best i had a different role i, I switched from waiter to just the the magnum guy it was uh either beferovka <laughs> or, or something like that i just remember just going around and i was like doing the shots it was it was amazing and i think it's just a the relief after that as well it's just everyone having an amazing time and everyone's so happy for each other it was great can you tell us what happened when the, the artesian team finished or? <laughs> uh if not it's fine or yeah like no, i won't go into i mean we we all we all had our goals uh, away from artesian let's say like for me personally the thing is when you have a team which is is performing to that level and and like i say it was such a great place to work no no one leaves so i i wanted to progress in my career and and no one was leaving above me you know so i had my own personal goals to go up in my career and i think everyone had their own thing you know alex and simone obviously wanted to open a bar and stuff like this so basically it was, when it was time yeah we all we all sort of went around together and it it was amazing, you know, like, I think it was special for the guys as well. Because I remember Simone coming up to me and saying, okay, I think I think it's time. And again, I didn't learn from before. Without <laughs> anything lined up, I told him there and then, I said, okay, I'm going with you. Um, and, you know, nine or ten other people said the same thing to him and Alex. So that's why we all left at the same time. It, was, it just shows what a, a tight unit we were. You know, people without jobs lined up, but they just said, okay, we'll go with you, you know. So yeah, it was great and we're all different parts of the world now, which is fantastic and I think they can be very proud of what everyone else has achieved as well because it's down to them as well what we've achieved uh, around the globe. So, I mean, it's still a great bar and uh, now isn't there a of lot course, of change. Like yeah. we said uh, the other day, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a fantastic job yeah. and I think, uh, however, I think that specific artisan was one of those bars that really defined... Uh, an era of bars right I yeah mean. i think it was you i was saying to the other day like alex and simone that you would never stop thinking and the things they came up with was just ridiculous it just took bartending to a different level i think and yeah they're obviously not the only ones but they they were one of the ones to help bring it to that level so are you still in touch of course yeah <laughs> i need to i need to uh have a word their words of wisdom every now and again and it was great. Alex Alex came down. I actually spent Christmas a couple of years ago with him and Monica when they went to Thailand for Christmas. We went down to see them. Simone was over not so long ago. And obviously Roman, I saw him the other night. Here he's a little bit closer, which is great. And the guys in Sydney as well, be seeing them very soon as well. So still definitely keep in touch. Yeah. What happened after that? Because it must have been quite a bit of a struggle, right? I mean... Did you just feel like, okay, I need, now I need a massive holiday for myself? Yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> I, I took a Christmas, uh, my first Christmas with my family for a long time. Um, I actually ended up taking about six months off, just moved back to Ipswich. I just got out of London, moved back to Ipswich. And um, I think, you know, again, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier to, to get something afterwards. But 
it was actually quite difficult because I think a lot of people were not scared, but they, you know, to have someone from the artisan come in, it was, yeah, they, I, I don't know what they thought would come with it. So, and there was a few offers, um, one from Canada, I was speaking to some people in South Africa, Australia, obviously, and, and, um, Hong Kong, but Bangkok really stood out for me. It was so raw. Well, at the time it was a raw city, you know, um, and in London, so much going on, and I felt like I could make a difference in Bangkok, not just help one bar, but help a community as well with what I've experienced in the artisan. So, um, was super happy to take the job there, and it's it's been amazing, absolutely amazing. The city itself has evolved in that three years as well. So. Was London off the off the table? The, yeah. Why was that? <laughs> um, my current girlfriend will not like this, but <laughs> my girlfriend at the time, uh, she she wanted to leave London. She'd been there for, for eight years. So she said the next step was um, outside of London. So that was the main reason. Um, but I'd, I'd always wanted to, you know, experience something outside. And after working the artisan, obviously the CV is looking pretty good. So it was probably the best opportunity to, to get something because, you know, as you know, as well, it's not, it's not easy getting a job outside of Europe. So no, it was it was always something I wanted to experience, and I, I kind of underestimated Bangkok, I think, because um, it's the culture is completely different. But you know, once you get used to it, embrace it, and it's it's an amazing place to live. So when you moved to Bangkok, you went straight into the Mandarin Oriental, have you? Yeah, yeah. So at this stage, how old is Bamboo Bar? Bamboo Bar is sixty six years old. Okay, um, but I think. It's gone through a lot of, you know, stages as a, a bar, you know, it's always been a jazz bar. Um, it's gone through its early years where it's, you know, legends of jazz came to visit. And then it went into sort of a, let's say a shiny hotel bar, sort of normal hotel bar feel. And then about five years ago, it got renovated um, to make it look like how it was back in the day, which is, you know, it was a fantastic renovation. It looks amazing now. It's one of those places where you you enter and you feel like you're in a completely different place. It takes you away, like a, in in a different era almost. When you joined there, basically, effectively, the bar was open for two years after the refurbishment. Yes. Am I correct? Yeah. Who was uh, running it before you joined? It was a guy called Miko who done a fantastic job. You know, my my staff who I have now, he taught them. You know, the real, let's say, foundations as well of of modern bartending. So I have him to thank a, a lot. And so he, he ran it for about two years, brought some sort of modern bartending to, to the Bamboo Bar, as well as, you know, the, the server side as well. And then when he, when he left, they, they hired me. So I already had a ready-made team uh, who was really strong, was fantastic floor staff as well. So, What were some of the market challenges that you had when you moved to Bangkok? Um... It was finding, well, first of all, it was finding ingredients, but, you know, that was, it shows, you know, how I sort of was a bit naive and, and thought, you know, everyone around the world wanted the same sort of cocktail. So I was, I obviously had my ideas from London and I tried to bring them to Bangkok and it was successful, but, you know, one, it's not ideal because you can't get these things easily. And two, the people are, you know, they're not really used to these sort of ingredients. They, they want local stuff. So that's why I think the second menu was, is easier to present and you know a lot more successful in terms of people liking the cocktails as well the tourists want to try local ingredients 
and the the local people they only like their stuff because it's you know the food and stuff is one of the best in in the world so um yeah the second menu was is a real success did you find it difficult to adapt yourself to local flavors and local palates um yeah yes and no i mean i embraced it i went out you know with the guys for the food there was a lot of tears me trying to eat the local food you know how spicy it's mega spicy is it incredible i remember having the soup and literally sitting there crying and the, <laughs> but it's so good you know you want more it's, and more yeah it's mega tasty yeah. but it's just so painful to my, swallow my staff they, they were laughing it's <laughs> incredible but um no i'm definitely adapted to it now i go back home and friends are complaining stuff is spicy and i i hardly notice it's got any spice in it at all now you know um so yeah it took some time the culture the food and and the the local flavors but it's it's quite it it has a theory behind it if you actually see how they use the flavors and and even the food they balance everything out you know salt sugar everything's like it's yeah you can see it actually you know you slowly understand and then once you understand it's it's pretty easy to to adapt and use in your cocktails and stuff do you miss uh, london a little bit or no no zero percent zero percent i i've been there i've only been there a handful of times since i left and um, I think Bangkok is a little bit more chilled out. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of craziness, obviously, with the traffic and everything. But, but London is so fast-paced. And um, no, I can't say I, I miss it too much. Um, obviously, friends there. But that's it. You know, I, I only miss the friends. So go there, see everyone, and then go back to Ipswich to have a little bit of a more chilled out time uh, in England. So no, I can't say I miss it too much. So I had the chance to work in a uh, jazz bar as well, which is the American bar. And uh, at the American bar, we had two pianists, right? Mm-hmm. And they were both been working there for like almost 10 years mm-hmm. each. Uh, the music there is such an integral part of the bar. It's the same thing for you. Completely. And yeah. how do you go about choosing the, who plays there? I haven't had that choice yet because uh, I think the saxophonist and uh, the piano player, they've been there 15 to 20, oh, no, more than 20, I think. Actually. Okay. Um, and even the drums and uh, the bass, they've been there, well, longer than I've been there. So um, I haven't had to, the, you know, the challenge of picking uh, band members. But anyway, the the original ones, they're, they're, they're very good. They've got friends and whatever, so they know people. So if it gets to that, then it's okay. But we, we change the singer every four months. Okay. And how do you uh, go about that? The bands, they recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult, you know, because you get given a YouTube video. You know, anyone, I can sound good on a YouTube video, you know, but... Uh, can yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Can I'm not you? sure, I'm not sure. <laughs> depends about the band. <laughs> no. um, so, but now we've got a set of, you know, four or five really, really good singers. So um, we, we kind of just rotate them now. So it's, yeah, it's good. But again, some of them have been playing, you know, Cynthia has been playing there, yeah, over 20 years as well. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, you get these returning guests and they, they don't, they don't care about my cocktails. They're just there for the band, you know. Um, no, it's it's really, really a massive part of the Bamboo Bar. People are, are definitely coming uh, for the band. So our job is just to, you know, have a nice high standards uh, beverage uh, concept to, to sort of relate to it and, and, and match it in terms of quality. So um, I think we've done that and that's why it's, it's a recipe for success. Success, and, right. Yeah. You mentioned uh, earlier on community and uh, the fact that you wanted to go into Bangkok in order to make a mark into the local scene. Mm-hmm. How has this scene evolved since you're there? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, 
it was already evolving before I arrived, but you can really see how it's moved from, I think you could see bits when I, when I first arrived, you know, the city itself, they didn't have too many international bartenders coming over. Uh, brands were not doing too much. So, you know, you, you get these bartenders who are learning off YouTube and, and stuff like this. So you could see it was very dated, but um, definitely now you can see, well, you can see here as well, the amount of bartenders traveling over to Singapore. Um, the bartenders there, they're traveling a lot more. So they're, they're seeing different bars. They're being inspired as well, which, which brings everything, you know, it's involved Bangkok bar scene a lot. Um, it's helped a lot. So yeah, coupled with international bartenders coming through, showing their skills, showing their, their cocktails, it's, it's really improved things. So yeah, it's a great, great city, some great bars. And I think we were number three in terms of amount of bars in, in Asia, obviously Hong Kong and Singapore and then mm-hmm. well, China, um, Singapore and then, and Thailand. So it was seven bars. So that's remarkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, when we first arrived, I think it was five bars. Last year was six and now seven. So slowly, slowly, more and more bars um, in the, the top 50. So you can see the improvement. So you've basically came on the other end of the planet to do your job. Uh, <laughs> as an expat uh, in Thailand, did you feel uh, that the community was quite welcoming towards you? Or maybe you struggled a little bit to relate yourself? I think they're, they're just cautious at first. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say cautious, mm-hmm. but... I think I'm, you know, approachable guy. You know, I, I try and I try and get, you know, even, you know, you just gotta, you gotta respect the country, the culture, and everything. And yeah, when you show them respect, you know, you get it back. And um, I definitely feel that's the case now. It was just uh, the the day before we arrived here. Actually, I was at a wedding, a Thai wedding, and uh, you know, I looked around and I said to to Anne, I was like. I'm the only foreigner here and she was like yeah because you you know you you show yourself you know you you attach yourself to to us um so they they like you as well you know so it's I think if you get involved and you don't make it seem like you're you know from the other side of the planet you know you just get involved with the the events and stuff you know they warm to you definitely so I definitely feel part of the community that's for sure that's a fantastic thing um there's a lot happening in uh, Thailand at the moment. Mm-hmm. You guys just said uh, you have your own bar awards. Yeah, we, we've got um, well, we've got the bar awards, which is going around Asia. We've, we're in June. We're having our first Bangkok bar show, uh, which I'm going to be a part of, uh, which is great. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to do more and more. We've got the Rum Week as well, trying to do more and more because I think everyone like likes a trip to Thailand. So, if we get more of these events, get people involved and. You know, it's very easy to get people over because, like I said, everyone wants to visit. Um, and it's a great opportunity for them to see what we're doing there as well with the bars we've got there. So, well, How do you see Thailand evolving at the moment in terms of uh, bars? I think now it's a case of having the consumers catch up a little bit. Uh, maybe the, the level, the speeds that we've evolved as a bar industry, um, maybe it's, you know, outweighing... Uh, consumers sort of being educated and you know there's no point us going super crazy and having crazy drinks when the consumers don't understand you know so I think I think Thailand is slowly slowly you know being educated in cocktails and because you're you're talking about a, a country which you know however you grow up whether you're rich poor whatever you you eat and drink on the streets you know it's it's normal 
uh, street food, beers, whatever. So for for now to tell them go to a nice bar and have a nice cocktail, it's still you know reaching that point where it's acceptable, especially in hotel bars anyway. So I think it's just you know needs to be more natural for, for people to go out to to cocktail bars, but definitely you know you see Tong Law area. It's the young generation coming through. It's a lot of young people coming and and drinking cocktails. So it will get there. But I think it's just a case of waiting for consumers to catch up. You are mostly with the expats or locals? Consumers? Well, it depends what area. I, like okay. Tong Law is a lot of locals. Um, us is about 50-50. But, you know, you expect yeah, that in bar, a hotel yeah. bar. Um, and, and again, when you look at the, the expats or, or, you know, the tourists, let's say, Again, you can split those into groups as well. You have the people who are maybe stopping off to go then to a luxury beach uh, somewhere down south or whatever, or you have the backpackers, which, you know, they're still the ones drinking the beer on the streets and stuff like this. They're not going to go to a hotel bar. So, yeah, it's very diverse in terms of uh, consumers, but it makes it challenging to then for our menu, for example, to try and find which consumer group is normally coming. So, like I said, it's about 50-50 for us. So this is why the Compass menu is, is working so well. Talk to us a little bit about the Compass menu. So the Compass menu, the first menu we done, it was a lot of, let's say, London flavors or, or you know, that sort of style. Some strange things in there, you know, like whiskey sous vide with the mushrooms and stuff like that, which the local market did not understand. So that was that was quite a cool menu. It was based on the jazz, you know, people who'd come through the Bamboo Bar, which was cool, but... This, this new menu, what we've done, we've split Thailand up into five different regions. And we've got two cocktails, one mocktail for each region. Um, each cocktail has a little story. Inspiration from that region, whether it be the food, whether it be, you know, generally what goes on, you know, the, the agriculture or, or something like this, or even some personal stories. We, we've got one cocktail from the central region, which talks about our team, for example. So, um, no, it's, it's really good. Like I said, it's, it's a way for the tourists to to travel around Thailand in terms of drinks. And for for locals, it's a nice memory trigger because you've got a lot of people who work in Bangkok. They're, they're not actually from Bangkok itself. They're from, you know, the north or south or whatever. So, you know, for the, for us to talk about their region, it's, it's nice, you know, they can relate to it. So it's very successful, I'd say. How do you approach the creative process with your team? Is it like, is the idea coming from you or is it more of a... Uh... Well, definitely for this menu, as you can imagine, I, yeah. I needed their help a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get a lot of ideas. We, you know, it's funny. We we start off with maybe a recipe, which, for example, we come here with uh, London Essence and I create drinks for them. And then maybe one drink stands out and I think, oh, we could use that maybe on a new menu. So you start off with a recipe or, you know, even one or two cocktails started off with a glassware. We, oh, we had to get these, you know, the parrot glassware, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? We, we actually were very privileged to to do uh, the the princess's birthday party. And we, we she wanted this. Well, it was a jungle theme, tropical theme. So we got this glassware for, for her. So then we had a bunch of these glassware afterwards. <laughs> so we were like, okay, let's, let's, you know, do something around that. Or obviously you have the story. So then you build the cocktail around the story. So, um, yeah, definitely there's, you know, we, we get the guys involved. It's very important whether it be actually creating it or definitely having their opinion. Um, a great believer of, you know, I think some bars, they, that's what they miss out. They, you know, the, maybe the creator of a drink, they make it to their taste. Um, I think with this, especially the last menu, my staff was sick of me. Just like I'd 
get behind the bar, make a drink, and then I'd get everyone to the back to try it, and I want their opinion. It was quite difficult at first because, you know, they don't want to tell the boss it doesn't taste <laughs> yeah. good. But then I could kind of see on their face, you know, like I could see when a drink was good because they really, you know, nod their head and be like, yeah, it's good. And then others, they'll be like, yes, it's good. And then uh, <laughs> like, no, come uh, on, tell me, tell me. Okay, a little bit too sweet. I'm like, okay, no problem. So once they got closer to me, it's, you know, they definitely, you know, voice their opinions. So yeah, no, I get everyone involved for sure. How long did it take you to develop this sort of trust? Because here in Asia, like one of the main challenges that I find is to develop this sort of relationship, sort of like one-to-one with your team where Mm. they understand that you're also a human being and therefore your opinion counts as much as their opinion so they can voice it out with you. I think um, it was was quicker than I think um, most people would expect because you, like I told you in in the artisan, I was a waiter, right? So when I came here at Bangkok as a manager, I still had the mindset of a waiter. So I, I'd start picking up trays, clearing tables and, and in the back, cleaning glasses. And they were, they couldn't believe they're like, what what are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, it's normal for me, you know? And so I, I gained that respect quite quickly in, in terms of that, you know, not being scared to muck in and, and do the dirty work as well. But yeah, you know, it takes time. But like I said, we go out after work as well. And they, they see you're a you know, human being. I take them on trips like this and, you know, they see the real me. So um, not the big boss kind of feeling. So, no, it, it took about six months to a year. Now it's now it's like a family. <laughs> that's fantastic to hear. Do you think you'll ever open your own bar in the future? Or that's something that you don't um, necessarily see? I think I'm a little bit more cautious. I think I've still got a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am definitely now my position at Mandarin getting involved a lot more on the business side um and definitely in the future we'll be doing some projects that open up the new hotels which are coming up as you know there's definitely things which i need to learn if i do i think to be honest it will be in ipswich my hometown because there i know there'll be no pressure of these awards or anything (laughs) like this and and again i can give something back to the community which i know that they're missing so i think when I'm done with all this awards and stuff like this, I'll just open one up in Ipswich and live a happy life, as you say. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But at the moment, I'm super happy. It's crazy to think that you say that uh, give something back to the community to a place that is literally like within an hour from like the biggest cocktail. Yeah, I know, in the I world. know, definitely. <laughs> but trust me, there's nothing there in terms of good bars. So every time I go back, I just drink beer. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the same. It. Yeah, exactly. Would you have seen yourself here 10 years ago? No, I would have laughed at you if you, yeah. you said it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I think um, every step I've taken, even to London, you know, even six months prior to going to London, I would have said, no, nah, no way. Definitely after leaving Artisan, if you told me I'd end up in Bangkok, I'd be like, are you crazy? So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird how it works out, you know, but... Yeah, just embrace it. I don't know what the next step is. That's why, you know, interviews and stuff like this, and they ask you what, you know, what you're going to do in five years' time. Yeah, who knows, right? I, I tell them, you it's know, who knows. Yeah. You know, definitely. But uh, surely you must have been a bit a bit concerned when you were sitting in Ipswich with, without a job. <laughs> yes, or, yes or no, you know, like um, Alex and Simone, they, they promised that, help and they they did you know but i kind of wanted to do everything myself on my own way but um no there, there was definitely offers it was just finding the right one for me didn't want to be too hasty and 
I mean, my, my father wasn't happy with it, but I was, I was living at home rent-free, so, you know, there was no pressure. Um, <laughs> no pressure, at least from your side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to find the right thing for me, but definitely want to stay in hotels, I think. That's all I know. Um, some people don't, <laughs> doesn't like it, but I, I think for me, it's an environment which I'm comfortable in. Yeah, and also like, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, as a bartender, your ultimate goal was to own your own bar. But I think things have changed so much that, mm-hmm. you know, you can have an extremely viable career path just oh, staying within a hotel definitely, group. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And as, as you know, the Mandarin Oriental, they like to, you know, find talent and really push that talent forward. And that's what definitely what they're doing with me. Um, so right now I'm, I'm super happy and very, very excited about the future mm-hmm. within the group. So uh, at the moment, <laughs> opening an my own bar is definitely not on the agenda. Cool. Last question I asked to everyone. If you were uh, to have a very last drink, what would that drink be? Oh, good question. Can I say beer or does it? Yeah, you can say beer. Birretta. Yeah, people who know me, they I drink a lot of beer and not really cocktails, but no, definitely a, um, maybe a beer. Yeah, I would probably say beer. Yeah, be what, what, be, what beer? Wheat beer. I like wheat beer. You like uh, wheat beer? Yeah. Alex will tell you. Alex, uh, I, I was the only one in the artisan who drank wheat beer. Not even guess, like, literally yeah, like- <laughs> used to buy the stock for me. And if Alex needed me uh, to bribe me into doing something, it would be wheat beer. It's uh, such a weird style of beer, I think. Yeah? No? Uh, I mean, I, I can have it, but... Uh, there was a funny story with that. Did you do you remember the panda thing? Uh, yeah, panda? yeah. yeah. I, I never... What was the panda about? Uh, we had a cocktail called Super Panda, I think, no? Super Panda, I think it was called that. Yeah, but you guys like really stuck. The this guy panda. in the suit was me, and because yeah, <laughs> they, they got this massive suit and they were gonna put Rudy in it, but uh, Rudy was too small, so they're like, "Oh, who's we can't go in it because we had to present." So they came to me. He's like, "Oh, if we feed you some mezcal and and some wheat beer, would you go?" I was like, "I'm gonna have to be drunk." So that's how that came about. Literally, like with the tube, like going into the panda, filling it with wheat beer. It was. It was hilarious how hot was it oh incredible it was, yeah. yeah it must have been the and i couldn't see roman was holding my hands i couldn't walk out incredible so you basically were standing there like you had no clue yeah of where you were in space and I was time. absolutely drunk <laughs> and they, they said oh, okay james you need the toilet before you put the suit on no no i'm okay five minutes later before we're about to go on i'm like guys i'm bursting now <laughs> jump out of the suit it was so funny. they actually removed you from the suit yeah had to yeah <laughs> So how long was this thing? How long did you to stand? I can't remember, but I couldn't see out of the, the eyes and I was drunk and I don't know what was happening. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Is there a video of that somewhere? I think so, yeah. On YouTube, okay, if you cool. look it up, yeah, uh, that's me in a suit. <laughs> cool. Thank you very mm-hmm. much, Jay. It was awesome Thank you so much. You. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Jamie. We are unjigged underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 from McKelly. Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Bessa for Adrian. Thank you for listening.